Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. So it's it's been a little while um, since we recorded last, though we skipped a week because of the 4th of July weekend. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, it feels like feels like it's it's been a little bit but that sort of has me excited to get back into it because yeah normally it takes me three weeks to find out what happens next but in this case i've been waiting four weeks um and and you and the audience you know only ever have to wait two weeks between episodes so that's uh, true i mean sometimes it's like i find out what happens immediately because we record two episodes in the same day and sometimes i have to wait three weeks which is one week more than I mean it, it all evens out in the end but yeah, yeah it's, it's I guess it's interesting on average you get the episodes a little bit faster than our audience yeah because we're trying to you know we always like to have that buffer <laughs> yeah um, well given that for us in our subjective recording time it has been four weeks should we get right into it <laughs> yes yes indeed Awesome. So, so due to the delay, um, or you know, rescheduling or whatever, um, I've had that much longer to forget the cliff dangler. <laughs> it has actually been a little while since I did the rough edit of um, the previous episode, but I do remember that there was a countdown. There's some sort of like I think we assume it's a bomb, some sort of device, and it's counting down. And when it reaches zero, we all assume whatever happens, it ain't gonna be good. Yeah. I don't think there's like actually numbers, but there's definitely a device with like a, what looks like a kitchen timer sort of thing on it that Uh, is is ticking. (laughs) Never a good sign. (laughs) And I think the Daleks did mention that they wanted to firebomb London. Right. Which is very nefarious and dastardly. So uh, hopefully our heroes find some way to stop them. Which I had kind of assumed was going to be like saucers flying overhead and dropping firebombs yeah, rather than yeah. like robo-men walking throughout the city and placing bombs. But I guess this works. Yeah, it saves on gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here in episode seven, the end of tomorrow. Nice. Very we, we have the cliff dingler, you know, we see the cliff dingler of these robo-men placing this device that we are assuming to be a bomb. And after they place it and leave, David and Susan and the doctor all get up to go look at it. But the doctor... I I don't blame them. I would want to as well. (laughs) The doctor, though, like basically stands up and then just like groans and passes out. Oh. Uh, Because, you know, he was just previously rescued from the Dalek saucer, I believe. Mm -hmm. So David goes to look at this device while Susan like hides the doctor basically. And of course the device is a firebomb turns out. Okay. (laughs) 
Susan's like, Daddy, what about this, Bob? Can you just mantle down in about a time? I don't know. I'll have to try. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. So David starts looking at it. N nice to just drop that into the conversation, you know. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Man, this, this bomb is like too primitive for me to know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about you? <laughs> Seems more up your alley. <laughs> uh -huh. So he gets to work on it. He tries like prying the casing open with his knife, but that doesn't work. So he actually gets one of Dortmund's acid bombs out of his backpack and basically like opens it up and dumps the acid from it onto this firebomb. Oh, cool. So, so Dortmund's acid bombs do come in handy after all. Yeah. And yeah, it totally works. The acid melts through the casing of the bomb and he uses basically a crowbar to like push the timing mechanism out from the inside and then, like, the timer hits zero, but since the timer has been removed from the bomb, nothing happens. Cool. So, well, I don't know much about disarming bombs, so I'll just assume that's 100% how it works in real life. <laughs> yep. David, person of action. Yeah. yeah I thought, I'll, I'll grant him that. I thought here in that title. Yeah. So, they talk about what to do next. David says that they'll have to leave the doctor here because he can't travel. So he's basically just going to have to hide mm -hmm. while Susan and David find a way out of London and then come back to get the doctor. That does still kind of splitting your party, though. Yeah. They figure that he'll probably be safe for at least an hour or two because the Daleks theoretically think that this part of London is completely on fire now. Yeah, that seems like the sort of thing they'd notice and check, though. Right, yeah, like follow up on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did want to mention, and I think this is a very minor spoiler for the episode, we actually don't see very much of the Doctor at all in this episode. Oh, uh, so is he on vacation? <laughs> uh, not quite. Um... The little that we do see of the Doctor is not actually William Hartnell. It's his stand-in, Edmund Warwick. But he's actually not on vacation so much as on sick leave. Oh, dang. Yeah. During the previous episode, or the filming of the previous episode, at one point, the flying saucer ramp collapsed while the resistance guy was like carrying the doctor out of the saucer. Oh, dang. And yeah, William Hartnell got hurt on the landing. So they gave him the next week off basically. Wow. Yeah. It's a bit like, uh, when Harrison Ford got hurt on the set of the millennium Falcon in, um, the force awakens. <laughs> Once again, everything that happens in star Wars happened in doctor who first. Uh huh. <laughs> So back at the Civic Transportation Museum, Jenny and Barbara are pumping air into the tire of this big tanker that they're planning on using on their journey to Bedfordshire. It's like a tanker truck or something. Hmm. Jenny says that they're not going to get very far in the tanker, and she asks Barbara if she knows the route to Bedfordshire, and... Barbara says that she used to, which confuses Jenny. She's not sure what to make of that answer. 
So it's Barbara, like they've moved Bedfordshire, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Barbara's like. Means I used to live. Well, we're we're not very sure how much damage the Daleks have done. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they blew up the highway or something. Yeah, Jenny's just like, yeah. I mean, they they've totally fucked up Bedfordshire, basically. Mm. So we cut to the fucked up Bedfordshire, where Ian and his NPC buddy Larry are hiding among, you know, the large industrial mining equipment. Cool. Cool. I'm a fan of large industrial mining equipment. Mm -hmm. Also, I like how everyone has their NPC buddy in this. Right. Uh, Yeah. As as long as you're, this is clearly some, uh, this episode or this serial is clearly built around some squad level tactics. Um, So given that we're all split up, there has to be a squad for each uh, encounter. So the game provides NPCs. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we've got Ian and Larry who occasionally pick up another NPC or two. (laughs) Temporarily. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Jenny and Barbara who, you know, have gone on their whole own little journey. Mm -hmm. And then Susan and David and I guess you could say the doctor and Tyler to to some extent, although the doctor's kind of with, with Susan and David now. Yeah, and the, the doctor's going to be, uh, his character portrait is going to be gray in the party select screen for a while. Right. So, yeah, Ian and Larry are hiding at the mine, and they watch as this group of enslaved people, which is to say humans without the Roboman head-neck brace on, they're like just enslaved people, mm-hmm. they're forced to haul a rail car down the train tracks like toward the mine Hmm. and you know ian and larry are watching this and they're just about to like get back behind their cover when somebody spots them and it's a non-robo man who says who are you two aren't you on work detail escaped have you i suppose you know the robo men are on the other side of this machine Interesting. Uh-huh. It's like, uh, I think he's trying to be helpful. Yeah, it was unclear at, at first whether he was or not, but I th- I think he is now. Mm. He's, you know, pointing out we're, you know, not far from these Robo-Men who are about to catch you guys, basically. So he kind of tosses a couple of pickaxes at their feet and basically tells them to leave the talking to him. And just then, you know, the Roboman walks around the corner and shows up and asks what they're doing. And this guy says, I took him off work detail to help me pick up these tools. Hmm. But the Roboman asks, Which work detail? And the guy doesn't really have a good answer. Oh, I don't know. Over that way somewhere. Yeah, that's a, that's a good attempt at a bluff. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I think... You know, probably the DM just rolled poorly on the NPC's bluff check. I thought it was an okay bluff. The Roboman decides to take Ian and Larry off for selection. And the other dude gets, like, whacked over the head by the Roboman. Oh, damn. And, yeah, I thought it was actually going to be lethal based on some previous hits that we've seen on the show. But it, it wasn't. 
he's not a he's not a sensorite. He didn't get in whatever <laughs> vital organ is in uh-huh. the shoulder. <laughs> the Roboman basically just tells him to refer all future decisions to his master. Mm, very ominous. Very ominous. Yeah, Ian and Larry like try to go see if this dude's okay, and the Roboman tells them not to resist its orders. And Ian says, Get new orders. (laughs) My first order to you. (laughs) Uh Get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently this is actually like one of the Roboman's commands. It actually seems to have an effect on the Roboman. Because oh, nice. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's voice activated. <laughs> <laughs> his little satellite thingy on his head neck brace like starts flashing lights, and he just kind of stands there with a blank look on his face. And Ian and Larry and other dude all escape. <laughs> nice. Uh huh. Yeah. While apparently the Robo Man gets new orders. <laughs> Waiting for update. Uh Uh-huh. So they escape by basically just heading inside of the control room of this mining equipment that they're hiding around. Cool, cool. There's always going to be at least one console there and a safe that you can unlock either using your lockpick skill or by hacking the console. Right, yeah. I know know all about these things. Depending on which way you've specialized your character. Yes. I mean, this is a Fallout game, right? (laughs) Yeah, it seems like it, yeah. I think it must be. We went from some uh, squad-based tactical game to a Fallout game, and I'm going to keep just mixing and matching every possible (laughs) video game and tabletop genre possible just in my attempts at making jokes. (laughs) Please enjoy, (laughs) Kyle and listeners. So it's not very long before the Roboman follows them into the control room. And the, as, the same Roboman as before? Yeah, I think so. It <laughs> it got new orders, which were follow your fucking previous orders. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but as soon as it walks into the control room, Ian hits it on the head neck brace with like this big spanner basically. And it falls to the ground, and other guy takes its rifle. Now, you know, that's what I call people of action. Yeah, totally. Ian, Larry, and other guy, people of action. Yes. I mean, I'm not sure if Larry earned that one. It was mostly Ian and the other guy, right? Yeah, that's fair. Larry's still got to earn it, but I I have faith in him. (laughs) You can do it, Larry. So other guy tells Ian and Larry to try to mingle with the working parties. And he says that he is here to meet Ashton, who is apparently the black marketeer who smuggles food into the camp. Cool. Ian says that he wants to meet Ashton. Yeah, I mean, his name like was in a different font. You know. Right font type when when he said it so you know it's important new new journal entry unlocked (laughs) ian figures that ashton can probably 
help get him back to London, where he thinks his friends are. Mm-hmm. And other dude is like, uh, dude, I've got some bad news for you with regards to London and its condition in terms of it having been destroyed or not. <laughs> Ian's like, well, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. We cut back to the Civic Transportation Museum where, you know, Jenny and Barbara are getting ready to leave. And Jenny is telling Barbara how senseless it was for Dortmund to just throw his life away uselessly just to prove a point. Hmm. But Barbara points out that he actually saved their asses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. She, you know, she says that there aren't any Daleks around now, so they must have thought that Dormund was was working alone, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he, he... He seemed to, you know, attract the Daleks' attention to, to distract them from Barbara and Jenny. Right. Yeah, he basically sacrificed himself to give them a chance to escape. So, that is what they do. They start up this tanker truck that they've been working on, and they open the museum garage doors, and they drive on past Dortmund's dead body. Dang. Yeah, it was it was grim, but, you know. They, they press F as they go by. Yeah. Down in the sewer, Susan comments on how it smells like an old goat farm. <laughs> That's very, that's very specific. Uh-huh. Yeah, I actually thought that was probably much better than it could smell. Yeah, you know, I mean, I haven't been on that many goat farms, but presumably, yeah, there, there are worse smells. Mm-hmm. They stop, you know, she and David stop to rest for a little bit, and David is commenting on how, you know, it's pretty unlikely that they'll be found down here in the sewer. But Susan is not so sure because she finds a spent cartridge from a bullet on the ground. Ooh, yikes. Yeah, not something you want to find. No. Of course, the Daleks don't use guns that fire bullets like this. Right, yes, we've... We've established that uh, for for them, it's just all about the film negative, film negative beams. Right. And for some reason, David thinks that Robo-Men can't get down into the sewer. I'm not quite sure <laughs> why he thinks that, but... Their head and neck braces don't <laughs> fit down the manholes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Susan thinks it must be a friend, but David's like... Not necessarily. Not all human beings are automatically allies. There are people who kill for a few scraps of food. Mm-hmm. There's always raiders in these Fallout games. Yeah, you want to watch out for those random encounters. Even if they're not part of like an enemy faction, like the, one of the major groups, um, you, you're always going to run into just generic raiders that need to be dealt with. You know, the worst thing in Fallout is when you're in a town and like, you accidentally piss somebody off without meaning to, and then like the whole <laughs> town wants to kill you. 
Mm-hmm. You're like, well, load your save. Guess I'm going to either load my save or never visit this town ever again. <laughs> or that, yes. <laughs> also, yeah, when they find like a spent shell casing, it's like even if this bullet was fired by a friendly person, presumably whoever they were firing at is not friendly. <laughs> yeah. So there's unfriendly people down here too. Yeah, the fact that a bullet has been fired sort of implies both, you know, at least two sides. Yeah. I suppose they could both be unfriendly, but hopefully at least one of them is friendly. Yeah, one max. Uh Uh-huh. So David double-checks his own pistol. He's like, oh, I was the one who fired my (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. He's only got four bullets, apparently. And... Susan then screams because she notices a hand with a gun in it pointing at them from the shadows. Oh, dang. Something tells me we're about to have a commercial break. (laughs) It's too soon for the episode Cliff Dangler, but that feels like a commercial break. Yeah, totally. Also, yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, Carol Ann Ford's contract does require her to scream at least once per episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's in there somewhere. There there might be an episode or two where she doesn't scream, but then I think she screams twice in the following one to make up for it, so... Mm, yeah. Yep. Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at Dr. Watcher. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. On the road, Jenny and Barbara, who are now, you know, playing the driving minigame... <laughs> This is this is a really advanced game, dude. There's a lot of different gameplay going on here. Mm-hmm. They're getting a bit worried though because this truck that they're driving is loud, basically, mm. and they have no doubt that they've been heard by Daleks, who you know most likely are radioing ahead to other Daleks. You know, just like when there's one cop with a speed gun who radios ahead to their partner a couple miles down the highway who actually pulls people over. What you're saying is that they have at least two stars by now. Right. Maybe three, but at least two. Probably three. I think you're right. Yeah. Jenny wonders if it's time to bail out of the truck. And Barbara's like, nah, bitch, I got this. And she steps on the gas as she plows into and through a group of Daleks on the road. Oh, dang. <laughs> Jenny starts laughing. We went straight through them! Straight through them! Nice. Barbara's like, It was it was I rather enjoyed that. So uh, for this special effect, was it just a bunch of like empty Dalek shells on the road and then they just drove a truck through them? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, Excellent. yeah, exactly what you would hope for. Nice. I, I I'm enjoying this, uh, you know, Mad Max Fury Road moment. <laughs> yeah. And we salute our Imperator, Jenny <laughs> and Barbara. I guess nice. it's Imperators. Yeah. 
Witness me! Screams Barbara. <laughs> Witness! <laughs> so yeah, Barbara's like... Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? I rather enjoyed that. We'll be able to stay in much longer, though. They'll be after us with a vengeance now. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> sure enough, within a few minutes, there is a Dalek flying pie tin overhead the truck. Oh, wow. It's like the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as soon as Jenny and Barbara realize that it's there, they do bail out of the truck. And just a few moments after they do, the flying Python blows up this toy truck that looks just like the full-size truck that Barbara and Jenny were riding in. Uh, what did that toy truck ever do? <laughs> I might take it out on the toy truck when it was the large truck that plowed over your Dalek friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut back to the sewers, and it turns out that the hand with the gun coming from the shadows was actually Tyler. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, kind of like a, a mid-episode cliff dangler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, you know, just gets resolved as soon as, as soon as we're back to the next scene. In fact, it's resolved, like, off-camera before we cut back to the next scene. <laughs> They're all just like, oh, it was you. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, we cut back, and Tyler is telling David and Susan about how he had to fight off a few alligators. Nice. So, yeah, good thing he's got a gun. Sewer alligators. Susan is shocked to hear about alligators in the sewers of London. Alligators in the sewers of London? (laughs) And Tyler's like, a lot of animals escaped from zoos during the plague. Most were killed, but reptiles thrive down here. Also, uh, no need to go look at the body, and then the camera pans down, and there's like two iguanas <laughs> with like <laughs> bullet holes in them. Uh-huh. So, sorry, animal lovers. He's going to lead the two of them back to the doctor, and he tells them to wait here while he scouts out ahead for a minute. And after he leaves... Susan wonders why he's so abrupt. Yeah, and why would they want to go back to the doctor if they left him behind right. on purpose? I guess maybe Tyler like knows the way out of London, but that wasn't really clear. That's just, you know, what I'm sort of thinking is is what's going on. Okay. So she wonders why Tyler is so abrupt and David's like Tyler? He's afraid to make friends. He's known too much killing. Dang. Yeah. Susan's like... I hope I'm never like that. Pretending not to care. Aw, Susan. You're a good one. Yeah. David starts, you know, waxing all romantic about how great it's going to be to rebuild a new world once the Daleks are gone. I feel like like we've entered, like, uh, 2000s... YA novel territory where Susan now has to pick between, you know, the optimistic and hearty young man or the, like, brooding and, like, pessimistic guy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, you know, Jenny and Barbara are off playing post-apocalyptic GTA. Mm -hmm. Ian and Larry are playing Fallout. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah susan and david have have gotten into a ya book slash dating sim yeah yeah it could be a dating sim i could see that 
So he tells Susan that, you know, maybe she could help rebuild this new world. And she starts getting this faraway look in her eyes. And, you know, she's clearly contemplating this idea until Tyler calls them to, to tell them that it's safe to follow. David's like, you could help rebuild this world. You could help repopulate this world. And it's like, <laughs> hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excuse me. We cut back to Barbara and Jenny, who are now on foot. And, you know, they take a minute to figure out where they are. They're, you know, still on the way to Bedfordshire. Jenny wonders what Barbara's going to do if they don't find her friends at the Bedfordshire mines. And Barbara's like, I'll think about that when we get there. Look, you don't have to stay with me if you don't want to. I can get there on my own. Jenny's like, Well, we might as well stay together. So Barbara smiles, and the two of them continue their trek. I was wondering when we'd get a, a bit of a shippy moment there for all these <laughs> groups going around together. Now now we can add Barbenny to the list. Nice. I, I thought that was a little better than Jarbra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one. Though now that I've said it out loud, I kind of like Jarbra. Jarbra. Jarbra might be more fun to say. <laughs> Listeners, tweet at us. Hashtag Barbeni or hashtag Jarbra. <laughs> Back at the Fallout game that Ian and Larry are playing at the mine, mm-hmm. they start hearing a weird screechy noise. We see what kind of looks like the the plant prop from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, cool. Back near the large industrial equipment. But it slides away as Ian and Larry approach. And they, you know, duck inside the large industrial equipment control room again, wondering what the fuck it was that they just saw. Nice. But inside the control room, there is another man pointing a gun at them. Dang it. Okay, guys, listen. This is why you always have your finger on the VATS button. You see the monster <laughs> in the distance and you're not sure what it is? VATS. You uh-huh. walk into a room and there's a guy pointing a gun at you? VATS. Like, come on. But yeah, they were not prepared with the VATS button. So <laughs> this guy gets the jump on them. It's like and me every time I, you know, a couple of months have passed since I've played Fallout and I have to like hold down every <laughs> button on the keyboard trying to remember what it does. Right, yeah. You're like memorizing the keyboard mappings on the game settings page. Mm-hmm. Well, I would if I were smart enough to bring that up. I'm always like, there's only so many <laughs> buttons near, you know, WASD and I'm pretty sure it was nearby. So yeah, inside the control room, there's another guy who's pointing a gun at them and he tells them to just go ahead and GT write the F back on O of the large industrial equipment control room. And Ian is like, are you Ashton? Cool. Yeah. Cool. Turns out this is Ashton. Nice. <laughs> when I hit vats, then, you know, I'm looking at like the percentages over your head, torso, gun, but, like, you know, by your health bar, it says Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> Ian tells Ashton that 
he would like to go to London, and Ashton's like, I can take you out at the right price. Click, click. Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Ian wonders what that price might be, and Ashton's like, Gold, precious metal, jewels. Nice. Yeah. Very post-apocalyptic. Uh, so when he says that he'll take Ian out, depending on the price, does that mean that he'd be uh, that this date would be Dutch? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering about taking him out as well. <laughs> I think there's a, a text post on like Tumblr or something that's like, "Take me out." You mean like on a date or with a sniper? <laughs> so you know, Ian lets him know that he doesn't actually have any gold or precious metals or jewels. He had the chance for a bluff check, but, you know, the percentage was low, so yeah. he decided to, to, to skip the uh, I'll pay you when we get there dialogue option. <laughs> it was one of those, like, 12 percenters, and you're like, yeah, uh, I, I'm not feeling it today. Hasn't put enough points in the bluff skill. Yeah. So Ashton's basically just like, Then I hope you manage to avoid the slither as you leave. Nice. The slither. Ian starts telling him that he's not leaving, you know, because he's going to stay here until he gets what he wants, basically. Mm -hmm. But other dude from earlier shows up. He gives Ashton some jewelry as payment for the food that Ashton has brought. And he tells Ashton that Ian and Larry are actually friends. So Ashton's like, I see you managed to bring the character references just in time. <laughs> well, chaps, I suppose we ought to have something to eat. Larry asks about the weird thing that they saw, and Ashton and other dude both explain that it is a slither. The black Dalek, he's a commandant of the camp, regards it as a sort of pet. Cool, I dig it. Yeah, totally. I'm glad that we picked Fallout for this group because this is feeling increasingly Fallout is. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, a sort of leader in charge of the area who's got this creature that you know is theoretically a pet, but you know, obviously a guard. Mm-hmm. Functionally, it you know it being the Black Dalek's pet basically means that it just wanders the mine area at night looking for food. Ian wonders what sort of food it eats. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, Ian. The answer is as you would expect. People. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly grass, you know, sometimes <laughs> some, like, leaves. No, come on. Come uh-huh. on. <laughs> we bring it some cabbages every once in a while as a treat. Yes. So, in... The the dating sim that takes place in the sewers, mm-hmm. Susan and David have apparently lost track of Tyler, who they're following. So, you know, they're calling for him and searching for him. Susan climbs up a ladder and crawls through a pipe and comes to another ladder. And... She's calling down this other ladder for Tyler, and she starts climbing down it, and part of the ladder comes away from the wall. And oh, man, that, that is not OSHA compliant. Yeah. 
Yeah, like the the screws holding it in place must not have been tightened properly or something. I'm shaking my head at this shoddy construction. Yeah, the the upper portion of the ladder just kind of like leans away from the wall, and her feet lose their gripping, and so she's basically like dangling from the ladder by her arms. Yikes! So, you know, she starts calling for David. Yeah, yeah, this this is a good opportunity for him. Uh-huh. Yeah, he can definitely earn some points if he manages to save her. Uh-huh. And she looks down and she sees that there is an alligator circling beneath her. Oh, nice. So, you know, that's going to give him like a nice bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um, raises the stakes a bit, just a bit. <laughs> But then the the manhole cover above her opens and Tyler appears in the manhole and he shoots the alligator. Nice. And he, you know, like sticks his leg down through the manhole basically and manages to catch Susan's ladder with his foot and like pulls it back into place and... This is about the time that David shows up and he helps her get off the ladder. And, you know, they all kind of take a minute to just sit there and recover. And Tyler, and where, where Tyler shot the alligator, you see like the, uh, the air escaping from the uh, inflatable alligator that he, <laughs> he put there earlier so that he could use it to impress girls. <laughs> right. Susan's like, what's that hissing noise? <laughs> <laughs> But Tyler lets them know that he found her grandfather outside and he leads them up the ladder out of the manhole, out of the sewers. Yeah, I would would normally say that's sort of ominous that he says that he found her grandfather, but we don't actually see him. But given that we know that William Hartnell's out sick, (laughs) like I'll I'll, I'll give it to him. Yeah, they didn't want to pay his stand-in too much. Yeah. I mean, plus you don't want to, you know, make it too obvious that it's not actually William Hartnell. Right. We cut back to the mines where Ian and Larry and other dude are all enjoying some food together inside the large industrial mining equipment control room. And Ashton is there too. They wouldn't share their food with him, which I thought was fair. But aren't they getting their food from Ashton? Um, yeah, they bought their food from him. And then, you know, they're just not, you know, not sharing with him the food that they just purchased from him. You'd think Ashton would just be like, shrug. I just have my big old stash of food over here. Let me let me grab one of these, like, cram rations, you know, uh-huh. some fancy lad snack cakes. Yeah, he's he basically can take care of himself is what they figure. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And he's kind of an asshole, so why should we feed him? Also, also true. And yeah, while they're while they're eating, he's basically just sitting there like inspecting all of his jewelry. <laughs> and somehow the slither gets into the control room. Huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought we'd have to wait a little bit before the <laughs> slither showed up. I thought they were going to save that, you know, for, for a big reveal later, um, or at least tease it, you know, seeing it off in the distance or hearing something, but like, nope, here we go. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> combat music starts to play. Yeah. It just barges right in. I don't know if they didn't properly secure the door or what, I guess other dude was probably the last to enter the room. So it's maybe his fault. Well, it's a Bethesda game. Sometimes characters just show up, you know, unexpectedly or events trigger when you were halfway <laughs> through your dialogue or... Yeah, yeah, that's true. So earlier, I said that it was like the plant prop in Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. which is not really a great description. Uh, it's it's hard to give it a great description, and that's at least partially because whenever the camera looks at it, the camera shakes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good technique when you don't have much faith in your prop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can do an image search for Doctor Who Slither and make sure to spell Slither with a Y. Oh, all right. Well, let's do that. And yeah, it's basically just like a big blobby thing with <laughs> tentacles and eye stalks. Oh my gosh, I love it. You guys, I hope that you also have done a Google image search for this because, wow, wow. This, this, is, this is A plus classic, you know, classic sci-fi, very cheesy monster. Yeah, there was... There is definitely some time and effort spent on the slither. <laughs> Just the right amount. You uh-huh. know? Not too little, but also not too much. Not not too much that it would actually be a good creature design. Not too <laughs> little that there's just nothing there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the slither. I I quite enjoyed it. Yes. And Ashton fires his gun at it while Ian and Larry somehow managed to get out of the control room Uh, and the other entrance (laughs) they you know start trying to to flee basically but they can't because they're at the edge of the mine and there's a sheer drop off into the mine so they've got like nowhere to go basically hmm they realize this, and Larry looks up and shouts, The Slytherian! It's coming straight for us! The Slytherine, you say? The Slytherian. Yes, I know, but uh, <laughs> Slytherine is Slytherine. Uh, like a, a monster in a later season of Doctor Who, if I remember right. Ah, uh, cool. And as he says this... Oh, Slytherine, I was Slytherine, right, right, yeah. As he says this, the title's next episode, The Waking Ally, appear on screen. Cool. Man, yeah, um... These uh, these episodes have had some pretty pretty good episode titles. This one was especially good. The end of tomorrow, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. The waking ally. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. It's like, it's better than having an ally who's asleep. Um, <laughs> maybe your, your ally was asleep and now he's awake. Now he's um, awake. That That's probably a good thing. I mean, the doctor, you know, was knocked out and is now hopefully, you know, William Hartnell will be feeling better, fingers crossed, and will be able to awake and help us out. So maybe that would be a, a reference to him. Yeah, it is yeah. though. It is the waking ally. So, you know, the ally might still be kind of groggy. <laughs> uh, that, that's the next episode after that one. <laughs> the groggy ally. <laughs> but yeah, these are pretty great titles. I'm not always entirely sure what the episode title means. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't quite know what the end of tomorrow means, but it is a great title anyway. Well, it's, it's just sort of a general, I think, post-apocalyptic type vibe to it, which yeah. goes well with these episodes. Yeah, we had previously, you know, the Day of Reckoning, the World's End. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all just kind of in the theme. <laughs> it's all just like, stuff happens in the future and it's bad. <laughs> Post-apocalypse. Maybe that's what we should call the serial. <laughs> the Daleks and bad stuff happening in the future. Yes. All right. Well, yeah, there, we had some good we had some good stuff in here. Um, we've got at least one one ship going on with uh, um, Jarbra or Bar Benny. Listeners, don't forget to to, uh, to tweet at us. Um, and uh, we also have um, some maybe ships with uh, Susan and uh, David and Taylor. The guy's name was Tyler. Tyler. Thank you. So what would we call that? Suvid? Su- Suvidler? Oh, yeah, man. Are we shipping all three of them together? There we go. A- OT3. They are all three traveling together for the moment. I mean, you know, I, I certainly know that there are, are fans of these uh, YA one one girl, two boy type situations who tend to just be like, why not both? And uh, yeah, OT3, that nonsense. Yeah, so tune in in two weeks, listener, to get all your updates on Jarbra or Barbeni and Sue Vidler. Yes. <laughs> uh, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we move on to the next one? Nope, I think I'm good. All right, well, listeners, if you haven't yet, this is your opportunity. Don't forget to uh, Google Doctor Who Slither. That's spelled with a Y. Um, and uh, thank us later. Enjoy what you see. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed the program, please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening!
the point of that? He just threw his life away. It was so senseless. Depends on how you look at it. You've got this romantic idea about resistance. There is nothing heroic about dying. There's no point in throwing lives away just to prove a principle. If Dortmund hadn't thrown his life away, we would all be dead. He knew exactly what he was doing. He sacrificed himself so that you and I would have a chance. Come on, we're ready to go. 